Well, welcome into another version of the Golf Club, and it's always my pleasure to be joined by the great writer from Sports Illustrated, Bob Herrick. Bob, how are you? I'm doing well, Randy. Thank you. Uh, so, Bob, there's so much to get to, but what I want to start is I, I read your great piece this weekend, kind of review now that Liv is taking a break. Uh, on what they've done so far, there's been, I believe, three events, and um, you had some good points, some bad points for what they've done, and I'll kind of throw it to you. What, what has been your thoughts on uh, how the Liv Tour has gone so far? Well, first of all, I, I think I have to, like, <laughs> always use the addendum that any discussion of live comes with the funding, which is highly controversial, obviously. Right. And, you know, that is just going to be a thing for them. You know, I don't know, probably for a while, if, if, if forever, you know, the, there's just going to be people who will not get past that. And I understand, you know, it's a very volatile, uh, controversial subject. So I try to just take it down to the golf part of it, you know, and, and, you know, because the funding would be controversial, uh, in golf at this point, no matter who's doing it. So then you have to wonder, okay, are they putting out a product that we're going to, that we're going to be interested in? And look, they only announced their schedule in March. They don't have like, it's not like on the PGA tour, every tournament has its own local organization running the event. You know, they had to hire an events team to put these events on. They put three on in a very short order. And given that background, I think it's been pretty impressive. You know, the build-out is good. The fan area is very nice. You know, it looks like a golf tournament. It feels like a golf tournament. Um, you've got some players out there that people know. The team part of it, I think, is interesting. Um, might take some getting used to. So those are the good things, I think. You know, the bad things are the things that need work or that I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I have my questions about. I, I'm not sure I'm a fan of the shotgun start. I think I could probably live with it for two days, but then on the final day, you should have tee times. You should have guys flowing through those final holes with the scoreboard and knowing where they stand. And I think that would enhance their team aspect because if a guy finishes two hours or an hour before um, and, you know, maybe threw up a 66, he might want to cheer on his teammates playing those last few holes, you know, and that the team part of this is a huge deal that people are missing. You know, they've not really gone deep on that yet. They will later. Uh, so those are a couple of things. Also, they need more people. You know, I mean, uh, I, it's, it's, it's hard to decipher whether they've limited crowds on purpose or if they've had trouble moving tickets or if they've not gotten out in the marketplace and marketed enough. I mean, I think this last one is maybe understandable that they might have wanted to limit it. You know, former President Trump, that's, his, you know, that's his club. He stayed, spends a lot of time there. He was very prominent. Uh, obviously, you got to be careful. There was a lot of Secret Service presence there. They probably did want to limit that to some degree. Uh, the Saturday Portland crowd was really good. But the other days have not been that great, and I'm a little surprised by that. I, I would have thought they may, would have made more of an effort to make sure there's a lot of bodies out there. And then, of course, going forward, you know, are they going to continue to pick off players from the PGA Tour? You know, I think I counted up. They've got 14 or 16 of their 48 guys who are 40 or older, you know, and that, that, that they, they are not in the prime of their careers. You're going to need some young blood and some name young players, I think, to help push it forward. Well, you know, that a bunch of questions from there, Bob, you know, and you're right. Like, that's what kind of makes some of these great tour stops so awesome is the crowds, especially on Sunday. 
um, you know, it makes a difference. Um, do you think eventually, like, this will catch on and, and fans will want to join? Or is it, are you, are you think maybe they don't really care if there's anyone that comes to these events? No, I think they care. Uh, I think they, they know that they need to create buzz. You know, they need a. you know, I didn't even mention it. They, they, they basically are streaming it on YouTube and on their own um, website with not a whole lot of promotion. They're going to need to get a, a you know, a partner, uh, either an over-the-air or a streaming partner that pays them a fee. You know, they, they, they're not going to just continue to throw money at this forever. They might for the next few years, but not forever. They're going to want some money coming back in. Uh, and, and you do that through corporate, you know, uh, hospitality, ticket sales, maybe parking, obviously concessions. By the way, their concession prices seem very reasonable to me. You know, they've, they've done well there. They haven't been charging for parking. Um, but you want bodies out there. You know, one of their mottos, one of their slogans is golf but louder. You can't be loud if there's nobody there, if there's not enough people there. So they definitely want to have – now, will fans get into it? I mean, I think the Chicago market is, is a great test for them. They, they have been trying to go to places that are underserved. Obviously, the BMW hasn't been there since 2020 when there were no fans because of COVID. So really, 2019, last year and this year, no tournament in the Chicago area. So will people attend just because they want to see golf? You know, I talked to some people in Portland. I was just sort of asking them the question, you know, are you good with this whole thing? What do you think of the funding? What do you think of the whole you know, idea of this and these guys going against the PJ tour. And I had two or three people tell me just anecdotally, Hey, you know, I just want to watch golf. We don't get men's golf in Portland. I might not ever get to see Phil Mickelson play golf. You know, that's pretty strong. You know, I, I think there's a, you know, in the media, we, we tend to, you know, hype up the thing, you know, the negativity and obviously for obvious reasons with, with the Saudi funding, but there's probably a good number of people out there who do not care about that. They just want to watch the golf and they can put that aside for their own entertainment purposes. Yeah. I think that's a really valid point. And talking about, you mentioned how some of these guys are, you know, on this live tour are really old. I mean, Henrik Stenson wins. Uh, he said it was kind of personal for him after he lost his captaincy for the Ryder cup. I don't know what he expected to happen though. Once he joined the live tour, but um, you mentioned Phil, and he's been terrible. I mean, he's yeah. outside of his first round in London. He's been awful. And like, what, what's going on with him? Is he just just not in a good place this game right now, or is he, there's other things, other factors involved? Yeah, I mean, you could kind of expect this at the beginning, but uh, you know, now he's you know he's played in two majors too. Um, I was really surprised he he performed so poorly at St Andrews. You know, he shot even par the first day on a golf course that wasn't, you know, it wasn't playing as hard as it could have. You know, obviously the winning score was 20 under. Um, the, the Even par made the cut. And so he goes out on, uh, on Friday with every opportunity to make the cut. And he shot like four over. You know, I mean, it wasn't even close. Uh, you know, so, I mean, that was a little surprising to me. And then he came... He came there. I don't think he was prepared. He went on a vacation after the Open. He, you know, he went to, you know, what, Rwanda, I guess it was. And, you know, he showed up there that week. I'm not sure he practiced, you know. And, and, and look, that's, that's going to be a criticism of these guys if, if they are not prepared to play, if they are not competitive. I, I think in Phil's case, it goes beyond that. 
you know, he wasn't playing great before all this came up. You know, his he uh, uh, you know earlier in the year he he missed the cut at the at the at Palm Springs. He missed the cut at, at Torrey Pines. Then he went to Saudi and he finished 17th, which has been his best result. Um, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just think there, there's probably a lot of issues in his game right now. That um, you know, some of it had to do with I don't think he picked up a club for three months there while he was while he was in self-imposed exile, and it's just not that easy to find it. Wow, you know that's that's uh, pretty interesting to hear. And uh, if you want more on uh, Phil and Tiger, of course, you can get uh, Bob's book, Tiger and Phil Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry. And how's the book doing, Bob? Hey, it seems to be doing pretty well. I get a, a lot of good reaction to it. Um, you know, I get some negative reaction to it also, which is fine. I think that probably means I did okay if if you get it from both sides. But uh, now it's been going well, and it's been out a few months now. I, I still get people sending me texts or or emails saying they just read it or they're about to. So uh, I appreciate the mention. Uh, that was that was uh, quite the um, you know that, that was quite the <laughs> the challenge for me to pull that together. Oh, yeah. So I'm I bet. I'm glad to, glad to have it out there. Uh, you know, I mentioned Tiger Bob and, you know, he obviously, uh, didn't make the cut at the open and it was kind of like doom from the start at first, the first shot ends up in like in a divot and, and he hits the next one, uh, and out of bounds or in the water and he's done, you know, he just had a terrible two days. Um, you know, I saw Joe Lacava make some comments that maybe they'll try to play a couple more tournaments leading into the masters, but I don't know, Bob, you know, I'm the biggest Tiger fan and I would love to see him win another masters, but I'm realistic. I just don't see how he can put four rounds together anymore. I mean, I, hearing Nick Faldo on the broadcast, Bob, in the Open Championship say that uh, when he asked him, I think uh, earlier in the year he asked him, maybe Augusta, what's your level of pain? And he said, oh, it's it, you have no idea the pain yeah. I'm in on a daily basis. So, I mean, I, I just don't see how this is going to ever get good enough for him to compete for, for any sort of tournament win. That's the starting point. There needs to be improvement in the leg, you know, and he doesn't really let on to the degree, you know, like that. And so is he, is, is, is there, is he able to get to a point where that pain subsides or is less to a point where he can practice and play more, you know, where there's improvement and strength and flexibility and all those things, you know, obviously it's never going to be a hundred percent, but what is it now? Is it 30? Is it 40? Can it get to 60? You know, those are big questions that I'm not sure he's going to answer. And, and, and that he needs there to be some improvement for there to be any chance. Because to your point earlier about him needing to play more, you know, that's the dicey thing. If you play more, you run the risk of making it worse. But if you don't play, you're not prepared. You know, that was clearly the case at these three majors this year. You can't walk out there and be competitive. It's a miracle he made the cut at the at the first two. I mean, that's just, that's incredible stuff that he could do that. Um, but to, to be able to play four rounds and be and compete, you know, and not be in pain. Um, you know, I would love to see him play his event in December. You know, that means he needs to start playing some golf in right. like probably October and November. Then I'd love to see him, you know, I think Tory Pines is a, well, he'll probably play with his son at the father's son, which is two days and he can ride a cart. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much that helps him, to be honest with you, other than just, you know, hitting shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but would he play at Torrey Pines in late January? 
I don't know. I, first of all, I think Tory's a hard course for him now. It can be cold in the mornings. I think it's better if he tries to come back at Riviera. You know, that means he's got t- almost six, seven weeks into the new year to sort of gear up. Riviera is where his, you know, his foundation hosts the yep. event. Yep. And then it would be like three weeks until the players. And given all his stuff about Liv, I would think he'd really want to be at the players. Mm-hmm. You know, just as a show of solidarity for the tour, because that's obviously their signature event. And then you've got another three weeks off before the Masters. So, you know, at least that gets him some tournament golf. Um, you know, look, he might miss cuts and then it'd be even less, but at least he's out there uh, and doing it. You know, I, to just show up at Augusta again, I just think that's such a big ask. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, there's four or five weeks before the PGA. The PGA next year is in Rochester. Rochester in mid to late May. That you know, we had cold weather in Tulsa. Amazingly, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so what are the chances? You know, that's the other crazy thing. What are the odds that Tiger would have the weather that he faced this year at the majors? Like Saturday and Sunday at Augusta were raw. You know, yeah. now that can happen, but it there it can be eighty degrees also. Right. So he got he kind of got unlucky at the PGA. He makes the cut barely. Great flourish on Friday afternoon. Then he's got to tee off at like 8.30 on Saturday morning, and it was like 55 degrees and rainy. Just awful, you know, situation for him. And even at St. Andrews um, on, the, uh, on, the, on the Thursday round when he teed off later, it got pretty chilly. You know, so like, and, you know, we forget or we don't mention it much as back. His back is still a right. problem, you know, I mean, he needs to get like- loose. It's not like he was in great condition before the accident, right? I mean, that's right. Just, you know, the back has always been an issue. And I, I'm curious, Bob, were you surprised that, you know, Greg Norman came out this week on Tucker Carlson and said that he turned down between 700 and $800 million to join Liv? Are you surprised that Greg Norman made that offer to him and that Tiger turned it down? Well, first of all, I have a little issue with that whole story. Um, Norman said on there that those numbers were thrown out before Norman came on board. Okay, so Norman came on board with Liv in October. Nobody had any idea what Tiger's status was going to be in October. So they're offering him $700 million for what? I mean, there's no way. And, and their, their original plan was to play 14 events this year in, in, in 2022. I mean, Tiger isn't going to be able to play four or six. Right. He's going to want to play the majors, you know? So, so I just kind of question that whole scenario. I mean, maybe the number gets thrown out because clearly that's the, what he's worth. If you're going to do this. Um, but I, and I'm sure they talked, I, I'm sure they reached out. I mean, I remember asking Norman early on in the process, what have you guys done with tiger? And he said, that they had reached out to his representatives, but Norman himself had not spoken personally to Tiger. Now, look, the two of them don't get along. That's what I was going to ask so, you. Don't, they don't like each other, right? No, nah, I don't know. You know, I don't know what the there, there's there's an entire backstory that that's probably just hard to relate to. It's it's famous people with egos uh-huh. and 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 all those things. And for whatever reason, they've just you know they've just not gotten along. You know, whether it was Norman thought that. You know, Tiger should be more deferential, or maybe Tiger thought that Norman 
shouldn't, you know, you know, uh, criticize him for not being deferential, um, but they just haven't gotten along. And it's, it's interesting because Tiger's office in South Florida is in the same place where Norman's used to be. Tiger's a member at the Medalist, the club that Norman founded and designed. You know, I mean, it's just like they do have, they, they probably, they probably don't live five or six miles from each other, you know, but, but it's, uh, there, there's just no relationship. And, um, you know, that, that would have made it hard too. I, I don't know that Tiger would have taken a call from Norman personally. Uh, but again, I, going back to the whole thing, you know, Tiger's people probably aren't going to talk about it because it certainly doesn't hurt them for people to think he was offered that kind of money. I just really question whether that really happened and if it ever really got serious. Right. Uh, all right. Speaking of uh, leaving retirements, um, Nick Faldo will call his final tournament this weekend. Uh, kind of a shocker earlier when he announced his retirement. Uh, that means within the last, what, four or five years, we've probably lost the two best analysts for golf and Johnny Miller, who retired, and now Nick Faldo. Are you sad to see Nick go? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised, too. You know, um, he's, he's not that old and seemingly has a lot left and, and um, you know, obviously a great champion. Um, I, I might say he, he was a little overexposed and maybe he's just worn out, you know, because not only has he done the CBS thing, but he's done Golf Channel. Right. You know, and so he's been very prominent. Sometimes he's working all four days. Sometimes he's, you know, he's going to a lot more tournaments. You know, I wonder if there was any consideration of just doing a lesser schedule. Um, you know, just doing the CBS weekends or even just doing 10 of them, you know. But yeah. um, it also sounds like he wants to make a clean break and get to do some other things. And, uh, yeah, you know, and it's, I guess Trevor Immelman is going to replace him. And Trevor, I found him to be very good. Um, I'm not a great expert on, on golf broadcasters. They, they take a lot of grief. It's, it's not an easy gig. I'll say no, that. And, yeah. Um, it's, it's a hard sport. You know, it's, you don't have the field of play right in front of you, like all the team sports that we know of, you know, you, you're, you're working off of monitors and um, a lot of acreage and, and golf fans are just very picky. They want to see more golf and the dynamic of golf on TV is you got to pay the bills and so, you know, they get frustrated. So it's almost like you can never win. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, uh, it's, it's hard to believe. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe how long he's been doing it. You know, it just doesn't seem that long ago that he was beating Norman at the Masters. But, right. uh, but obviously it has been a long time, 25-plus years. So Yeah, it's, uh, simply an amazing run. And, you know, who's on an amazing run right now is Tony Finau, who – you know, used to drive golf fans nuts because he comes so close and just couldn't finish. But I think I saw he's got the second-best scoring average on Sunday right now on the PGA Tour, and he uh, has won back-to-back weeks. Uh, are we seeing the beginning of a great run for Tony Finau? Well, he's picking a great time to do it if he is. You know, I mean, the FedEx Cup playoffs are coming up. Those playoffs are all about who gets hot at the end, really. It, it, you know, the, the season-long thing puts you in a good position. But I, I go back to this all the time. Last year, Colin Morikawa was number one in points going into the playoffs. And at the end of the tour championship, he finished like 24th. Mm. You know, so of the 30 guys who got to Atlanta, he was 24th. It's because he missed a cut. Uh, they, you know, some other guys got hot. You can lose ground quick. 
so this is a good time for him to get hot. You know, he's doubled his victory total in two weeks. I think we've all felt he probably should have won more by now. But, you know, maybe he's starting to get his, his breaks. You know, he got a big break in Minneapolis when Scott Piercy, you know, sort of fell apart there uh, on the final day. And Tony was there to take advantage. And last week, he led from start to finish, uh, or at least was tied every day. And then, you know, put on the gas on Sunday. He didn't, he didn't play, uh, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't try to be careful. And I think all those are good signs. And clearly, he's making a few more putts, which has probably been his, his downfall. He's not putted well enough uh, to win more. It's crazy that, you know, Tony Finau has been great the last couple of weeks and had a good year overall, and Cam Smith won the Open Championship and won the players. You forget how great Scotty Scheffler was, this, you know, for most of the season. Um, I, I gotta, I, so here's a question for you, Bob, before I let you go. Uh, you, you're hearing rumors that Cam Smith wanted to stay through the FedEx playoffs and then he's going to go to live. Is there someone we're going to be shocked with uh, come September that's going to join live? As someone you're like, whoa, I did not expect that one coming, you know, because some guys have been kind of get off my lawn like Rory has been during this whole time. So is there someone that that fans are going to be totally shocked when they, that joins Liv? Listen, I, I can't speak to if he's going to or not, but, you know, the big name that's out there that everybody's wondering about is Hideki. And if, if Hideki Matsuyama does it, that would be huge for Liv because they want to play in – international markets, you know, this is what I was alluding to earlier with the team thing. You know, they want to put together teams, franchises, and clearly they would do this by region or nationality or country. You know, so you could see them having a Japanese team. You could see them having an Australian team. Like, and that's why the Cam Smith rumors are prevalent. You know, he could join an Australian team quite easily. You know, you've already got a U.K. team. You could have two, probably. Um, obviously, we could have a couple of U.S. teams. You could have a Spanish team, or you could have a South America team, or a Mexico team, Canada team. And so, him, uh, it, that, that's the one, the big mystery, because nobody seems to be able to get a sense for whether Hideki uh, is in on this or not, and he's not completely shot it down. So, until these guys absolutely say no, you wonder. And so other than Cam Smith, that would be the name that, that I think might, might catch some people by surprise if he does it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm guessing they have a few more, too. Uh, you know, they, like I was saying earlier, they need to add a few more. They, they need to get a little bit younger. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, this is going to, at some point, it's going to hit where both tours are going to have to figure something out, right? Because... If they PGA Tour keeps losing prominent players, they're going to have to do something because, uh, you know, I mean, it, it just, it just, it's going to be, it's almost like the AFC and the NFC, you know, the AFL and the NFL. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel that at some point these two are going to have to come together and try to figure something out. But I don't think the PGA Tour wants to deal with Liv, right? They don't, and that's the, I don't, at least not now, and and so that's the risk for the tour. Listen, the tour right now, what they've done is effectively shut these guys out. And for at least the next while, you're going to see these guys falling out of the rankings and not being able to play in majors unless they've won a major. So slowly but surely, you won't see a guy like Patrick Reed in anything but the Masters. Wow. Sergio, only anything like the, only, only the Masters, because he won't have the avenue in unless they try to go qualify, like for the U.S. Open or something, which they could. Um, 
Uh, you know, the PGA will be shut out to them. Kepka would be in the PGA and the U.S. Open for a while. Obviously, Dustin Johnson in, uh, will be in the Masters forever. Uh, you'd like to think they're not going to take that away. Um, but so the tour, by doing what they're doing, has effectively shut them out. So the other side of it, though, is, is if, if Liv continues on this path, there will be more and more guys who look at the money and say, you know what, I'm going to go. You know, I'm going to do it. You know, Rory, Rory is, uh, you know, I don't think Rory is the type of guy that would, but all it would take is a couple of other guys of, of, of a little bit more prominence, and the tour might just get tired of losing their guys. Do they not want to have, do they not want to have the best field they can have at the Players' Championship in the playoffs? You know, all these guys are missing these events. So how do you work it out? Not easy. I kind of laid that out a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's a way to do it. Um, it would require, you know, them to come to an agreement on some things. The tour could benefit financially from it and also get their players back. Because let's be honest, the events that these guys are missing that are opposite live events are not events they'd be playing anyway. Right. So what they're doing, in a sense, is the tour is biting its nose despite its face, right? Yep. I mean... A guy, okay, so a guy missed the Rocket Mortgage last week. They might not have played there anyway. Mm-hmm. And Bryson had been because he was sponsored by them. Right. Uh, but, you know, John Deere, uh, the Canadian Open, I doubt they'll play against in the future. In a couple of weeks, they're playing against Napa, which is the first event of the new schedule. You know, then they're playing in October against fall events that aren't particularly popular, you know, with the, with the big names. So if you let the big names go to live, and I propose only 10 events as opposed to 14, then you could require them to play 10 PGA Tour events and both sides win. And they could work out a TV deal. They could work out, you know, the tour usually gets paid when players uh, uh, compete on TV in, 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 a, in a conflicting event. The tour could extract a fee from them. They could ask Liv to supplement their purses. There's a lot of things they could do to help themselves and then Liv just does its thing. And whether those guys get ranking points or not doesn't matter. But I, I just think we are a long way from that phone call being made to start that discussion. Right. Hey, Bob, this is great as always. Uh, appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, Randy. Be well.